Hey, I'm Fatima, this is Carla, and welcome to Pain Points and Pull Requests, chats with an aspiring product manager and data scientist. Hey, so this episode is another project-based one, but I think this project is pretty different from anything we've ever done before, right, Carla? Yeah, exactly, it is. So this week, we're playing around with TinyML and Arduino. I guess we should probably give a little intro to what both of those things are. So just to give you the like one sentence intro to TinyML, it is a type of machine learning that shrinks deep learning network, deep learning networks to fit into tiny hardware. So you guessed it, the second part of this episode is also on Arduino. Um, but first, let's talk a little bit about why we're doing this episode a little bit differently. Carla, do you wanna do you wanna let us know? Yeah. Uh, so for me, I think I've always been exposed to one way of deploying models, and uh, that involves, you know, some like cloud infrastructure, microservices, and generally pretty pretty large pretty large models um, that take up a lot of RAM. So when I first heard about the idea of just like really tiny models that were, you know, always sort of running on your device, I just thought it was a very interesting concept. And I thought being in machine learning, it'd be cool to have a deeper understanding of, you know, what what deploying these kind of models look like and what it took to build uh, applications for them. What about you? Why was it interesting to you? I think you're spot on when you say we're really familiar with a certain type of software development. And I think embedded systems were a space that I honestly just didn't know anything about. Like it seemed super intimidating, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm glad we like just dipped our toes in the water to get a feel for it. And, you know, I, I really think that every different kind of project you take on helps you think a little bit differently and take on a different style of problem solving. So I'm excited for us to go even further into this space with future projects. Me too. Do you want to go, uh, do you want to go ahead and tell us a little bit more about TinyML before we continue? Totally. So I gave you the Spark notes, but TinyML, so Tiny Machine Learning is you're using a little bit of Internet of Things, embedded systems, and machine learning at the same time. So it's, it's fun. There are definitely different components to any system you build using TinyML. And I know, Carla, you'll go into that a little bit. Really quickly, actually, I don't think I defined embedded systems, right? So an embedded device have about 32-bit CPUs and only a few hundred kilobytes of RAM or less. So they're super tiny. I'm Hopefully you've all like maybe seen an Arduino before. If you haven't, take a look at on Google. You know, there's some fun, cute little projects you can take on with Arduinos and similar systems. But yeah, um, some, so why, why do we care about TinyML, right? So a major benefit of TinyML is that with this power to summarize and analyze data right on the sort of device itself, especially with these low power, simple devices, you, you really break, give yourself quite a few more options, right? You no longer have to process data on the machine and then send it to an external source to be to go through any sort of model. Um, so you're able to use it on that device immediately. So an example of how we've all been interacting with TinyML already are our smart home devices. I'm not gonna say any keywords cause I gotta be smart that mine doesn't go off during our podcast recording. Um, <laughs> but you may be familiar with how quickly your, your device is able to respond to some of its keywords or its wake words. And that's exactly an application of TinyML. So Carla, tell us a little bit more about how it works. 
I'll briefly go over some of the things that I learned uh, about how it works. One of the cool things is that developing models for embedded applications doesn't really interfere with the usual workflow you probably have when developing models. You can still uh, use Python, you can still use TensorFlow, you can build, test, validate the model and use the usual data that, that you did at the beginning. But the first real point of difference is when you have to actually convert that model into something that's much more lightweight. Um, so uh, Google actually pioneered a lot of the work that has been done in order to make this conversion with the TensorFlow Lite library. It's super simple to use. We can link sort of like the code that we've been working with and for our project that we'll talk about later on. But but really, it's 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 it's, it's a library. It's there for you to use and just convert the models super uh, in like one line of code into something that's super lightweight. But to talk a little bit about how this uh, library works, it's um, a TF like model is represented using something that's called a flat buffer, which is a serialization format that was developed by Google uh, to represent hierarchical data in a flat binary buffer. So this allows the data to be accessed without having to be parsed and unpacked. The only memory that needs to be allocated is for that buffer, which makes it super efficient. So when Fanimo was talking about that speed, uh, it, it that's really where it comes from, the ability to um, parse the ability to access all of the data from that model without having to uh, actually parse it algorithmically. Yes, and since we've mentioned Google a couple times as one of the sort of leading developers, I think we also have to make sure to mention Pete Warden or Peter Warden, whose book we've been working off of in our pursuit of this project, right? So one of the pioneers of TinyML, who and uh, has a ton of resources out there. We definitely have to give credit, so be sure to check out his blog and his book as well if you're interested in the subject. Yeah, and also as a as a side note, he uh, what's cool is that he actually when he started working at Google, he was still he had no familiarity with embedded systems. Like he was purely ML. He was really interested in machine learning, machine learning algorithms, and it was only until. Um, I think it was 2014 or something that he started going really, but he was like, well, the things that you can do with tiny models is really cool. Like, I wanna look into this. I love that. I didn't know that. That's, that makes, yeah. stories like that always make me hopeful as a student. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Carla, tell me a little bit more about this project that we've been tinkering around with. Yes, so I touched on briefly that the actual workflow for the model was very similar to what we've already gone over. Um, so I won't spend too long talking about it, but I'll, I'll say enough to just give you an idea of what we were trying to do. So essentially we wanted to uh, build a model that could take in a value X and predict the uh, sign of that value. Um, so sign of X. And obviously you can use calculator for this, but because we were trying to do something super simple to just be able to deploy this model or deploy the application that used uh, this model, um, we essentially just generated, we had uh, like artificial data that uh, had a little bit of noise enough to maybe throw off model just a little bit, but for it to make reasonable progress in, in learning the sign of Y. And so the idea is that because this, the value uh, Y, so sine of x falls between negative one and one, we would essentially build a small application that could then use those values to then predict the light intensity of the little light that is on the Arduino. 
And so when Y is zero, obviously it's turned off. When Y is negative one, it's uh, like really uh, the light intensity is at its highest. And when the value is one, it's also at its highest. So like Fatima said, we were following the tiny ML book that already had a lot of this code inside the Google Colab, a Google Colab notebook. Uh, so essentially it was a matter of like running these cells and then converting the model into a tiny uh, ML model. The next component was actually building a C++ application that could run inferences on this model. This was probably <laughs> the most frustrating part at first because I didn't, I don't have a lot of experience with C++ and it took a little bit for me to get familiar with all of the syntax and, and you know, Sometimes working with tensors in and of itself can be a little bit, can be a little bit disorienting, but definitely doing that in C++ made it a little bit more challenging. But the basic, the basic structure of the application is sort of similar to what you would expect in a service that was running on like a microservice or something like that. So basically taking in an input and then running inferences on the model using that input. But this time, um, because the with the C++ application, you have to basically allocate uh, data manually for the C++ program and to then use to allocate, to um, store the outputs and the inputs of the model. So that was kind of one difference that I noticed and it took me a, a moment to kind of understand how that was happening. And so after having the C++ application uh, working and getting all of those tests that Peter Warden's books provided to, to run. We basically, it was a matter of just deploying that application with Arduino. So there are a lot of steps online on how to do this, but um, Peter Warden actually also has deployed a library into Arduino so that if you just boot up the Arduino IDE, uh, you can access the right programs from there uh, and then run them. And essentially when you run that application, you can upload it onto your Arduino so that then it's sort of stored into Arduino's memory and it can run the application code. And that is how we were able to get a little light bulb flashing on and off uh, a bunch of times really quickly is because that application was run on the Arduino. The application is programmatically just randomly choosing uh, values X and then getting, getting a value Y and then using that value to then call Arduino libraries that would basically turn the light on or off. It's actually really cute. Like the little like <laughs> the end result. I know we're talking about all of these components, but when you see it, it's actually really cute. So we should definitely attach a little video of everything. <laughs> so I think now's a great time for us to quickly check in. I don't know if we've defined Arduino already, but we probably should just, just to make sure we're all on the same page here. Uh, Arduino is an open source platform used for building electronics projects. So if you like Google Arduino, it's it's a really common system. It's a great system to start learning on. Um, it's like a little programmable circuit board, as well as like a, I think they're, the IDE is open source, like you can find it online for sure, um, that you can run on your computer so that you can actually play with some hardware, you know, write some code on your system and upload it to the physical board. So yeah, pretty cool. Highly recommend checking it out if you're interested. Just thought we'd include that little blurb just to make sure we're all up to speed. Fatima, do you want to talk a little bit about some of the benefits of, uh, of using TinyML? Yeah, I think that's a perfect way to wrap up. We'll zoom out a little bit and talk about the system at large outside of our little 
flashing light project, which don't get me wrong, is a huge benefit to society. Um, <laughs> but let's go into some of the other ones on ML. So some of the notes I have here say that like energy efficiency is a huge benefit, right? Because mm -hmm. with when you think of traditional systems, you're taking a lot of energy and time to transmit data, right? So um, if IoT systems are able to perform their own data processing and computation, as simple, you know, systems as simple as an Arduino board, which take up a lot less energy than, let's say, transferring the data over to a server and having it computed elsewhere. This will save energy, right? So this is a pretty common concept. It's called data-centric, sorry, data-centric computing, where you're computing right on the system itself. Um, so this also touches on latency, right? I talked about the time that it takes for data transfer. If you're able to process the data right on the system that you're starting with, it's also going to be more time efficient. If you're not transferring data, there is a benefit to privacy, right? You're minimizing the movement of data, the, those touch points that the data might have, so you can improve the security and privacy. And finally, uh, storage is a, bit, is a pretty solid benefit. A lot of IoT devices collect and store a lot of data. Often the data itself is not the useful component, but it's the actual like insights from the data, right? So if you're able to process that information right on the device, you don't necessarily have to save all of it. But yeah, those are some of the high level benefits. And then I think tied into those, Carla, I know you did some research on applications, right? Yes, I did do a little bit. So you mentioned keyword spawning. So when your device recognizes, you know, when you say, okay, Google, <laughs> or visual wake work, wake words. So a smart lighting system recognizing when someone has entered the room. I looked at uh, some, there's one product that's called Everactive. So I thought this was really cool, but it basically provides predictive, it's a predictive maintenance tool that runs without batteries. So um, instead it uses proprietary sensors that harvest energy from dim lighting or warm surfaces. But because it's a super, like it's a super small sensor, they're very low powered chips. It really constrains the size of the neural networks that they can run, but it's really cool. And the, there's no need for them to actually pass in the data that they're collecting to um, a, a microservice that's running on the cloud, which makes them much faster than their competitors just zooming out like an embedded system is a non-computer device with integrated software based on microprocessors and microcontrollers designed to control devices. Um, so because they're so small, they're cost effective, they're a lot easier. At the end of the day, they just provide more options for us, right? And so we got to play around with a tiny ML program, a really simple one, but we'll definitely get into some more complicated ones in future weeks. Um, and Arduino. So actually if you have recommendations on projects we should try out, let us know. Yes, let us know and let us know if you tried this one. It was really, it was a fun, cute little project. <laughs> yes, we will link our source code and a bunch of resources to the episode. Um, anything else you wanted to share, Carla? No, I think I'm good. <laughs> okay, awesome. Well, keep us updated with your projects too and thank you for listening we know we've been out for a couple weeks but we're glad to be back Yay. <laughs> thanks bye bye